They say, you know, if you go out on the point and you look in the water, you can still see your hair moving around in the water because she's there guarding us and protecting the, the people. Even today, you can kind of feel the presence, I think, of the Maiden Inception Pass and Kokwalawut. Kokwalawut. That's the name of the young woman who lived here a long time ago, who crouched over the tide pools along this beach, looked into the water, and saw a face looking back at her that wasn't her own. Today, her family is still telling the story of what happened next. I'm Sarah Wyman, this is Atlas Obscura, and Kukwalawut's story, and how she continues to provide for her people, are after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I mean, they say that the table's set when the tide's out, right? That's true here. If you starve to death here in the San Juan Islands, there's something wrong with you. Because any beach you walk along, there's something to eat. Tom Wooten is the chairman of the Samish Indian Nation. And he's standing next to me on a cliff overlooking the ocean on the coast of northwestern Washington. In front of us, in every direction, are islands covered in trees and wisps of fog. And behind where we're standing, there used to be a village. The people who lived there would gather clams from the beach when the tide went out. They carved canoes from cedar trees and paddled them between the islands. They caught fish in their nets and brought them home to the village on the peninsula. Today, there's no village here. But standing in the middle of a clearing, there is one woman, with her arms stretched out to the sky. Yeah, there she is. Oh my goodness. She is Kokwalawut, 24 feet tall, carved from the trunk of a cedar tree. Her skin looks hard and silver in the sunlight. Oh, I don't know what to say. She's beautiful. She's different than I imagined she'd look. Really? Yeah, she is. Well, you get up there, you'll see. As we walk in a circle around this carving of Kohalawut, we see her transform into two women, standing back to back. One side, facing the ocean, 
is clearly human. She has shoulder-length hair, and she's wearing a skirt made out of strip cedar. She's got a cedar uh, headband on. Looks like she's got a, a necklace on as well. Some shells, maybe? Yeah, it looks like shells, huh? On the other side of the carving is a woman facing Deception Pass, the rolling hills that run up along the shore. This woman is half human and half fish. Her long hair is strands of seaweed that reach past her waist, where her skin is covered in fish scales and barnacles. Her body ends in a tail. And yeah, she's just, uh, she's as beautiful, but just a different creature, I guess, is how I would describe her. These two women are two different versions of the same person. And the Samish say she was a real person. Kukwalawut and her family lived here, in Deception Pass, thousands of years ago. Her father was headman of the village, and Kukwalawut was generous, hardworking, and kind. And the reason we know this is because Kukwalawut's story has been passed down by Samish storytellers for generations. Not just because it's a good story, but because it's central to who the Samish are and why their tribe is still here today. Would you mind starting at the beginning and telling me the story of the maiden? I suppose I could. We can sit down on bench yeah, if you'd like. Do yeah, that. settle in. Tom and I wipe the dew off of either side of a picnic bench. Nearby, a blue heron lands on the dock and ruffles its feathers. Tom explains to me that I could read the story he's about to tell me off of the placards around Kukwalawut's monument. But it's not the same as hearing somebody tell it to you, right? I mean, to me, that frees you up to use your imagination and to really dive into the story. So a long time ago, where we're at today, there was a village here. And life was a lot simpler in those days. The men, they would go out and fish. The women would dig clams and roots. And everyone would come back at the end of the day and, and share their meal and tell the stories and sing their songs and share their dances. And so there was this young maiden that lived in this village, and her name was Kukwalawut. And she was a handsome maiden, but she was, again, a young girl, and the young girls had jobs to do. They would go down and dig shellfish when the tide went out. And each time they'd go out, they would go out further and further into the water. And so there was a shell in the water, and she reached down to grab it, and it moved. First, she was frightened, and then she was curious. And so she reached for it again, and it, it moved away. And then when she looked, she saw a face in the water. Then she was really frightened. But at the same time, she was intrigued. The next day, down doing her chores again, collecting shellfish, and she went in the water again and reached in the water and the face was there again. This time she got a better look at it. And she thought, man, that guy's really handsome. I wonder what he's doing. So he came out of the water and introduced himself to her and told her that he was the king of the sea and that he commanded all these things that live in the water and that 
the people relied on his generosity and his kindness. And they would meet on the beach. And the more that they talked and spent time together, the more she fell in love with him. And he as well. And he told her that he wanted her for his, his wife. She loved him so much, she goes, you'll have to ask my parents for my hand. That night, when the tide came up and it was dark and the village was quiet, the people in the village could feel that fog rolling in, that coldness from the ocean. And he came up on shore and came to her parents' home and asked for her hand. Her parents saw him for who he really was and what he really was. And it was a hideous sea creature, a monster, if you will. But she saw this handsome man. And she told her parents that she wanted to marry him and to live with him. And her parents go, you can't marry this man. We won't let you. It won't work. You can't live underwater. And the king of the sea said, don't worry. I'll work on her. I will fix her so she can live under the water with me. And her parents said, no, you can't marry her. She knows nothing in your world. She belongs up here with us. He got mad and he said, if I can't have Kakolawut, you won't have any of my bounty from the sea. And sure enough, the next day, the fishermen came back. There was nothing in their nets, no clams to be had on the beach. They were all gone. And the people were getting worried to know what they could do. The shaman, he did his work that he could, and still no fish. And finally, the king of the sea came back and said, will you let me marry her now? Regrettably, the parents agreed to giving her her hand under the conditions that she always came back and visited with her family so that they'd know that she was all right. The king of the sea agreed and he worked on her and she went into the ocean. Every year she'd come back and each time she'd come back, she'd have a little more sea growth on her. Barnacles and seaweed and finally her parents said, we love you daughter, but you can't come up here anymore. It's just not good for you because now you belong in the ocean with your husband and all of his people. You know, you're still in our our hearts or our, as we say, our salee. Kakwaluit's family never forgot about her, and she never forgot about them. She filled the oceans with fish, tied pools with clams, and the streams with fresh water to drink. Warning, hazardous area. Stay on the trail. After the story, Tom and I hike up to the edge of the cliff overlooking the sound. He explains to me that over the centuries, the Samish have kept track of Kukwalawut's descendants. Tom says there are women in the community who still carry her name. And then he points out into the water. So here's her hair. The end of the bull kelp. That's her hair waving in the in the sea out here. Mm-hmm. 
I have to share one more incredible piece of this story. It has to do with the cedar carving of Kukwalawut that's standing behind us. When this carving was made in the 1980s, the Samish were not officially recognized as a tribe by the U.S. government. It was because of a sloppy mistake someone working in the Bureau of Indian Affairs had made. They literally left the Samish and a couple other tribes off a list as they were copying over from one document to another. The Samish had been federally recognized before this happened, but that mistake cost them their tribal recognition. The Samish had fought this error. They had appealed over and over again. But the federal government continued to insist that their tribe did not exist. And then, in the early 1980s, while all of this was going on in the background, a local artist started a public art project. It was focused on highlighting the history of the San Juan Islands. And this was uh, kind of a good opportunity for us to get our name out there and in the public and work with the state parks to let everybody know that we're here, right? And we've always been here. And this, in fact, this story kind of cements that in. They made the decision to carve a wooden sculpture commemorating Kukwalawut, the maiden of Deception Pass, the guardian of her people. And that's when something magical happened. The community rallied around this project. None of the tribe's carvers felt they could take on a project this big, but they joined forces to teach a non-native woodworker their techniques. And after years of work, they held a ceremony in September of 1983. The whole community showed up to witness the unveiling of the 24-foot carving. They sang, they danced, and they ate fish from the waters where Kukwalawut lives to this day. The people really got involved and it made them proud of who they were. And that in itself, you know, is, is a major accomplishment, right? When you can bring people together for a common direction to go. Tom says that this moment energized the Samish tribe. It pulled them closer together and gave momentum to their common cause. In 1996, after another decade of legal battles, the Samish finally got their federal recognition back. And there, at the center of the story, was the statue of Kukwalawut. It provided that focus and kept people trudging along, moving forward until we were successful in re-recognition. Absolutely. That's how important I feel this, this project was at the time. Today, the monument to Kukwalawut still stands at Deception Pass. If you visit, you'll see she's a little weathered. There's lichen growing in some of the cracks in the wood. And you can also look out to the sound and see her long hair waving in the water. It's all beautiful, but to really feel her enduring presence, I think you have to hear her story. Thank you so much to Tom Wooten and Jackie Ferry of the Samish Indian Nation. If you'd like to learn more about the work that their tribe is doing, including work aimed at preserving the natural environment in the San Juan Islands, you can visit their website. There's a link in our show notes. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was edited by John Delore. Our production team includes... 
Dylan Thuris. Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder Arnold. Manolo Morales. Baudelaire Seuss. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. Casey Holford. Peter Clowney. This episode was sound designed by me with help from John Delore. It was mixed by Luce Fleming. From the beach at Deception Pass, I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 